Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No, that's fine. What are all those medals? I'll never tell. At least not while the sun's shining. <laughs> Crotch ride. I'm gonna slurp my lifer's juice out of my own cup. Yeah, I guess I should have gotten shots beforehand. Yeah. Morning. Ooh. Buenos dias, bitches. Buenos dias, bitches. Uh, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Um, I know Bill is in the back listening. He needs to stop saying, oh, shit, when we're about to go live. Yeah, best of my most. Good luck with that. I <laughs> uh, hope everybody had a good weekend. Um, it was interesting for um, us. We had a good show on Saturday talking about Space 1999. That was a fun show. Yeah, it was. Um, and then we found out something. After the show that I wish I'd known before that Ennio Morricone had done some music for Space 1999. I didn't know that. Cool. I was nice. like, oh, wow. That's something that we could have talked about. Dang it. So, but anyway, happy Monday. I'm fueling up right now with my uh, delicious wake. Mm. It's like tang with a little zip. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be talking about a classic um, 80s Vietnam War film. It's uh, the third, it's the Arlie Ermey trilogy. It's part of the Arlie Ermey trilogy. First was uh, uh, Boys of Company C, second one was Full Metal Jacket, and the third one was uh, Siege on Firebase Gloria. And, uh, and that rounded out the 80s for Arlie Ermey with Vietnam War films. And uh, all three of them good films. All three of them are very, very good films. Boys of Company C had a bigger budget. Clearly, Stanley Kubrick had a bigger budget. But they pulled off a lot with the Siege of Firebase Gloria with a, a much smaller, like, it's like a Canon Globus kind of uh, budget they, they yeah. made that film with. And they pulled it off. Everything's on camera. Every single penny went into that film. 
from the gore uh, to Arlie Irmi uh, walking around with chopped off heads. Yeah. That scene blew my mind. You know, he's yeah. like yelling at him, oh. I've lost respect for Tommy or whatever his name was because he got relaxed. <laughs> that scene was something, yeah. And it was, I've, I'm just telling you, dude, I think he probably had a fucking blast making that movie. I don't know if it caused any um, uh, psychological issues. I, I know that that's something that occurs with guys that served in combat that appear in movies about combat that it'll trigger them. We heard about that with, we interviewed Rod Lurie for the outpost. And he was talking about how some of the guys that fought in the actual battle really were there again. And they would just get very distant and caught up in the moment. But uh, this is Don's favorite film. I don't know if all time, but it's one of your favorite Vietnam War films. Well, it is because some of those scenes I actually experienced on 30 March 1972. And I'm primarily talking about uh, Dinks in the Wire coming into the camp at A4. Yeah, it... uh, it caused me some flashbacks, dude. And uh, before the show, <coughs> John very boldly, I think it was John, maybe it was Martin. I can't tell. They both have the same accent. Um, <laughs> that uh, you clearly were Arlie Ermey in that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You think, eh? You think. <laughs> yeah, the Easter offensive of March 30th of 72 was um, one of the, it was really, because they had already lost initiative. The Viet Cong were were done in after the Tet Offensive. They struggled along. But uh, yours was more NVA, as I recall, right? All NVA. Yeah, because Viet Cong were just, they had killed like 80% of them during the Tet Offensive. That's why when people talk about the Tet Offensive being a decisive win for, for the North Vietnamese and the VC, and it's like, do you not know the casualty, right? Did you not see what happened? They were completely destroyed, decimated. 55,000 on, uh, on that day alone. Yeah, not to mention what was killed the day before when they launched early. But in 72... You guys, because I think the scariest group of people, the more I learn about them, is sappers. Those guys, uh, they get right up to the wire and start messing with your equipment and cause you damage. Well, what one of their primary objectives, and those guys were, uh, well, <clears throat> hey, there's no getting around it. They were extraordinarily dedicated uh, troops. I mean, I hated every last goddamn one of them, them sons of bitches, but you gotta give them, you gotta give them cred for, uh, having cast iron balls. And most of them, when they were coming through was one primary objective. And that was to get a satchel charge in and blow shit up. And, uh, buddy, they did it. They did it. 
Well, now in the movie they used uh, two women, but that's not all they used. I know they used children because uh, <laughs> well, well, they were still VC. Using, those, yeah, those, they were VC. It's different. Those women were Viet Cong. Yeah, and uh, that that's a uh, believe me, that's a different breed of cat from a hardcore dedicated NVA trooper. Now I did have a question for you uh, on that because uh, there were guys that were in uh, the tan uniforms with the green lapel red emblems and the uh pith helmets yeah were they vc or were they nva commanding the vc no they were they were regular they were uh regular vc troops they they had uh so they they had had their own commands yeah yeah okay yeah yeah those guys were uh well they they were damn near damn near NVA, but yeah, they were uh, VC regulars, which uh, basically, you see, look, you, you got to understand, the NVA were northerners, okay? Mm-hmm. They were from the north. They were from North Vietnam. The VC were southerners, Okay. They were from the, well, they came out of the Republic of South Vietnam. They were all communist, of course, but they were Southern Vietnamese. They were not Northern. And there was a divide between the North and the South, almost like our Civil War. But uh, uh, the Northern Vietnamese did not have a huge amount of respect for the Southern Vietnamese. They saw them more as laissez-faire or uh, lazy, if you will, or not quite up to snuff, if you know what I'm talking about. That's interesting. So, yeah. Were there particular reasons for this? Regional differences, okay. That's it. Regional differences. When, When the French were driven out, in 54 and 55, okay, there was an agreement that divided Vietnam into just like Korea, just like North Korea, South Korea. But uh, the, the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese, the communists, Ho Chi Minh's boys, immediately started guerrilla operations in the South. They had one primary objective and that was to turn the entire nation into a communist state. And Eisenhower sent military advisors over there. Then, as a matter of fact, uh, when, my, when my father received his warrant officer commission in 56, he had a cousin who was regular army, an officer at the time, I believe he was either a major or a lieutenant colonel. But the reason I mentioned this guy, he had been sent to Vietnam and he can some type of disease over there. This is 50s, okay? This is uh, mid to late 50s. And it was a muscle wasting disease. I don't even like know what the hell it dystrophy was. Or, or something even worse? Something he picked up over there. I, oh. I don't know. But uh, 
he ended up being medically retired. My dad bought his blues, his dress blues from this guy. They, like I said, they, they were related. They were cousins. And uh, this guy ended up dying of the disease. And that was like 1960. But uh, we, had, we had military advisors there then advising the South Vietnamese. Now, in the initial stages of the, uh, of the uh, war there, <clears throat> the insurgency, you would not believe the weapons that these guys were, were toting, okay? Remember, this was only 15 years after the end of World War II. The Japanese, the Imperial Japanese Army, had occupied Vietnam during World War II. There was an insurgency against them. As a matter of fact, our Office of Strategic Services, OSS, had fought with Ho Chi Minh, and they knew at the time Ho Chi Minh was a communist. I mean, we were fighting with the communists then. Joe Stalin. And World War II, yeah, we did it then, yeah. Well, these guys at the time were mostly armed with either, World, I'm talking about the VC, mostly armed with either captured or procured American military equipment, primarily things like uh, Tommy guns, they love Tommy guns, grease guns, M1 carbines, and a preponderance of Japanese ordnance that they were able to get their hands on, Arasaka rifles and the like. So, right. yeah, it was a real ad hoc mishmash going on. But as time went on, then the Russians and the <coughs> Chinese began giving them a lot of equipment. And then things got really rough and tough. Eisenhower first, and then Kennedy ended up sending special forces in there. Now, it was not, as you might think, to fight the war, but what they did with these special forces A-teams would be to go out into the countryside, go to small villages and what have you, and create basically trained militia to fight the Viet Cong insurgents. Now, most South Vietnamese at that time, especially in the rural areas, were farmers, all right? Their entire universe revolved around having a rice field and a water buff to shit in it, okay, which <laughs> was their fertilizer, all they wanted to do was to grow their rice, go home to their wife, have kids, and be left alone. Well, that wasn't good enough for the VC. They began going into these villages, kidnapping especially young men, all right, to join the VC ranks. And the South Vietnamese farmers resented the hell out of that. So special forces had a ready-made job for them, and they excelled at it. And believe it or not, and this is something that is not taught today, by 64, all right, we were winning against the VC. 
Oh, yeah. We were winning, all right? We were driving them out. We were killing the VC. It was an expensive proposition for them. And then the NVA started sending, air quotes, volunteers down from North Vietnam to aid the VC. And at Tonsonut, if I'm remembering correctly, in February of 64, the VC sent sappers into the airfield and blew up a shitload of our aircraft, jets and what have you. And that is what caused Lyndon Johnson to send the first Marines over there, which this on, on the record, it was stated, they were to provide security for these American installations. But, hey, Marines are not known for sitting on their ass providing security. They want to get out in the field and mix it up with the dinks, and that's exactly what ended up happening, and the war grew from that point forward. And 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 like I mentioned, we were talking earlier. I'm not sure if it was during the show or before the show um, <clears throat> that uh, the Tet Offensive was the end of the v- Viet Cong. Uh, they love to talk about it in the media that uh, you know that we lost the war. No, we we lost the war at home over the Tet Offensive. On no, the let's ground, be more specific. <clears throat> let's be more specific. Walter yeah? Cronkite. Yeah, there was a burgeoning anti-war movement, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you exactly where we lost the war. And it wasn't necessarily at home because at that time, there was still about 50% of the American public supported the war. Remember, how many of those people were veterans of World War II and Korea? They knew what the stakes were. Hey, there was something called the domino theory. Back in those days, the domino theory basically stated that if one country were to fall to the communists, and at that time, it was primarily Laos, Cambodia, and South Vietnam, then the whole damned region would collapse into communism. We had signed a treaty called CETO, the Southeast Asian Treaty Organization, which, much like NATO, stated that if any of those countries were attacked, the Americans would come to their aid. Now, at that time, we had allies. This is something else that's little known today, but we had allies that were fighting in Vietnam with us. Primarily the Australians, and goddamn, they were good jungle fighters. Australia. They have a good siege film, too, that's available on Netflix about one of their battles in Vietnam. Yes. And the South Koreans. And let me tell you what, Bubba, if there was anybody that scared the shit out of the commies in Vietnam. It was the South Koreans because they didn't play games. 
they said, take your ROEs, your rules of engagement, shove them up your ass, we'll do it our way. And they did. And let me tell you what, the NBA and the VC made pains to stay out of their way. Yeah, not surprised. But, um, you know, just to give a basic lesson, uh, we kicked the shit out of the Viet Cong during the Tet Offensive, killed a majority of them. They, they just, they were gone. They, too many died. Uh, and uh, and like John had mentioned, like 55,000 on the day of the Tet Offensive, but more were killed the day before because of the fact that there was a failure to communicate. And um, they launched a day early in the other parts of the country. And it, it caused just absolute, it caused chaos, but we killed them all. And it, it, it got to a point to where we had beaten them so badly, including North Vietnam. Once Nixon did one thing, bombed the North. Once he started bombing the North, everything changed. So when we called for the Paris peace talks, they were at the table. And you know that as well as I do, Don. Well, not not only did he bomb up there, he mined <coughs> Haiphong Harbor. Haiphong Harbor. The so Chinese, he put a stranglehold on him. The Chinese, and especially the Russians, were sending huge amounts of ships in there with military supplies and ordnance. And once we mined the harbor, Haiphong Harbor, guess what? That threw a great big monkey wrench in their plans. And Nixon, with all his other faults, was still, and I maintain this today, personally, I didn't like the guy. But when it came to foreign affairs, kind of like Donald Trump, you didn't screw with Richard Nixon. Just like you didn't screw with Trump and the Russians and Syrians found that out after they gassed some of their own people. Yeah. So yeah, this guy was a uh, Nixon was was a hard nosed sob, and just and, like and it, it Captain- forced it forced their hands though, Don. And that's the important thing is that we actually had crushed them. It was it was over. It was over. We forced them to to sign a treaty. They agreed to the, the terms, and then, and I don't want to get into the politics, it's because you and I are simpatico on this, Don, the politics of this. Um, our, own, our own Congress defunded the war effort, meaning we had to, no, we couldn't police and make sure that they obeyed the treaty. And we had to bug out, and anybody who had helped us that got left behind was killed. And oh yeah, that that's something nobody likes to talk about. It, it was one of the greatest betrayals by the United States government. Well, uh, you know, South Vietnam they they didn't kill they didn't kill the people in South Vietnam. Bullshit! Did you ever hear of re-education camps? Oh and yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them died. Well, we in know that the Khmer Rouge killed over two million. Exactly after the yep. Vietnam War. And um, uh, so, hell, do you know who ended up stopping that? Believe it or not, who? The North Vietnamese. They invaded Cambodia. They got rid of the Khmer Rouge, did they? Yeah. yeah. Good. 
They were and just then, an ultra-violent then, leftist organization. Then they ended up clashing with Red China. There was a nice little war there at the end in the late 70s, 78, 79. Right. And the North Vietnamese kicked the shit out of the Chinese. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, no. Really? Yep. Maybe that's... Uh, that. I can get a bet money that's how McDonald's ended up in, in Vietnam. <laughs> Well, the, like, the Chinese, the Chinese and the North Vietnamese have hated and loathed each other for 2K, dude, 2,000 years, because there have been constant over that time period, there have been constant incursions by the Chinese going, trying to go into Vietnam, and they had a lot of wars. So the Vietnamese, look, the way the Vietnam, in a way I can understand this. The Vietnamese, as much as it pains me to say it, I, I totally understand their mindset, had been constantly invaded and tried to be occupied by everybody. The Chinese, the Laotians. Now, I'm talking about some time ago, okay? Centuries Japanese. ago. The Japanese, okay? The French, the Americans... And by that time, by the time we were there, they just said, what the hell do we got to lose? Let's go balls to the wall, go for broke. And that's exactly what they did. That's interesting. That's interesting. But uh, we are now coming into the first half hour. It's a fun history lesson. I enjoy this stuff. We do have a question from Monkey Jeebus. Well, we have more than that. I'm going to go to the comments that were starred. And we're going to start from the beginning. And um, you want to go ahead and do this, Martin? Uh, go one by one? Yeah, that's what Monkey opens with. Back door, back door, back door. She isn't even trying. <laughs> it's like, seriously, that's Monkey, come on, Jesus. man. You aren't really, you're not even working on it. It's like, he's like, screw it. I woke up this morning and I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Open your back door, baby. Loosen your hinges, I'll show you my key. And John Osteen says, crazy to think that Eisenhower and his advisors privately discussed the use of tactical nuclear weapons in Vietnam. Um, it's always on the table. It's always on the table. Special forces, primarily first special forces group, <clears throat> which were deployed out of Okinawa. And yeah, I was in Korea. Yeah, yeah. Somebody wanted to know if I was. I, I'm telling Absolutely. you, Dogler has to be Mad Mardigan, man. Where are you, buddy? We miss you. Uh, love to see you on the show, man. Uh, Our so special forces group had special by the teams way, trained. Don, this one too. Monkey was what? saying maybe you were in Korea. Yeah, yeah, I just said. Jesus, get the dick out of your ear, Jeebus. <laughs> What's a fire base? <laughs> we got monkeys just ridiculous this morning. What's a fire well, base? I, I think it's I a legitimate about. question. Yeah. <clears throat> you want to explain it to him, Don? A fire base, okay, was an area, okay, where, for example, there was a lot of incursion 
Washington by North Vietnamese, there was something called the Ho Chi Minh Trail that came down from North Vietnam into South Vietnam. A lot of that trail went through, and this was another hotbed, the nation of Laos, 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 okay, into South Vietnam, where they would ship supplies, ordnance, and men. So the military, primarily either the Americans or the South Vietnamese, would set up areas where they would build a base, usually bring in artillery, have infantry there. They would go out on patrols and missions if they could find and locate, for example, where the Vietnamese were. They could call in fire missions from their artillery, tactical airstrikes, okay, which the South Vietnamese did have an air force, primarily totally supplied and and organized by the United States where they could come in, drop Snape and Nape. That Oh, well, you may not know what Snape and Nape is. Uh, Snake eye bombs. Yep. Okay. And napalm. Uh, And call in artillery strikes on it. Send out the infantry then, hopefully to clean up the mess. Now, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The South Vietnamese troops, and I'm going to be very charitable, were problematic. Okay? Some of them were very good. First Arvin Division were some tough hombres, okay? The and third these, uh, first Arvin, Arvin were trained by our special forces. Well, yeah, they, they were some pretty they were some pretty good troops. The third Arvin division, when I was up on the Z, <clears throat> is who they had up there. They would rotate these guys in and out every other month, okay? The third Arvin division was an ad hoc division that they had put together from pieces and parts from other outfits, new draftees, because the the South Vietnamese drafted too, and and their draftees were often much like some of our draftees in the latter part of the war, weren't worth a shit. But when we got hit, when the offensive started on the 30th of March, these guys simply dissolved and ran away, 
Okay. They didn't want to fight. And uh, they left us hanging out by the shirt tails, let me tell you. And by that time, there was something going on in the war called Vietnamization. It was a program started by, by Richard Nixon, where he was bringing troops back from Vietnam to the States. By that time, by the end of March, the Marines, for the most part, were gone. The 101st, for the most part, was gone. The 5th Mech that had been running patrols up and down the highways were mostly gone. In other words, my outfit and the outfit that we were attached to in Quang Tree, that was basically it. And, of course, we still had aviation assets there. But the bottom line was there was nobody up there at the time worth a shit that could blunt this offensive. Then the North Vietnamese upped the ante, okay? Not only did they have their hardcore troops, but they started running iron down the highway. In other words, Russian tanks, T-54, 55 tanks. And we had jacks at that time that could stop them. And I can remember after we got overrun, we got a vac down to Fubai, okay? The next day I volunteered to go back up to Quang Tree and everybody was saying, where in the hell is the Air Force? Because the Air Force were not flying missions up there. And the only thing we had that could have blunted those armored assaults were tactical aircraft, and they were flying somewhere else. So when I tell you it was a bleak damn day, trust me, it was scary as hell. And I do want to show the guys what it, what the snake looks like. It's the, what was it, the Mark 80? The, this is that little beauty. Uh, they were designed to drag, and it, they descended actually very quickly. But the, the design was to create drag on the bomb so that they moved a certain way. And they got the nickname Snake or Snakes. And that's what they look like in the air. And boy, you ought to see what they look like after they hit. <laughs> <clears throat> it is a 500-pound bomb, each one. That's a lot of ordnance, man. Um, so uh, before we start the uh, film strip, here we go. I thought I'd share this. I saw this last night and it made me, made me chuckle. He died of natural causes. You pushed him off a roof. Gravity is natural. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that just it caught me off guard. And I just started chuckling out loud. Where do you find stuff like that? Uh, look, I know a lot of weird people. Monkey Jeebus isn't the only weird person I know. <laughs> I know a lot of them, and they post shit like that, and it just they. It makes me giggle. But John is going to share the screen here now. There we go. This is uh, our film strip. We're going to be going uh, over the film. And um, I don't know if we require notes about it, but let, let's just enjoy watching this. And uh, let's see. For some reason, I'm not, I don't have any control for yours. What's going on with that? I like it when Martin shares his. I have control over his video. 
Well, um, we, could, we could try it, but you know, my internet connection is. Yeah, I have nothing pops up when I go to, to do yours. While we're doing this, and, and by the way, nothing says low budget like um, still images at the beginning of a film. Uh, and that's how the movie opens with that. It, but like I said, despite that low budget, they pulled off something here. I mean, they had freaking helicopters, no CG, no special effects. They had real helicopters. And if you've ever seen Harrison Ford's uh, Clear and Present Danger, you know how much it is to, cu- to rent one of those. Two million dollars? <laughs> how much? Well, they shot, they-, they shot this film in the Philippines. Yeah. So I am sure they, they got it. hits uh, those tall trees. Those are the trees deal. that uh, that the um, uh, communist, uh, more, uh, what did they call them? Um, the Filipino uh, Muslims that they're in, at Moros. war with. Moros, thank you. Would jump out of those trees. They'd hide up in those tall trees and then jump down on soldiers coming by, ambush them. There he is, Wings Hauser. <laughs> He's the most horrifying actor I think I've ever seen. Even when he's a good guy, he's scary as shit. He's got those crazy eyes. And this is when this they go to that one. Good. Now, this is this a fire base? Where are they going? That's no. Is that's that the Anlab fire base? Village. Or it's the village. An- Anlab Village. That's the one that was massacred by the BC. And they, of course, find decapitated heads and stuff. And uh, I'm going to read some comments from the chat right now. We've got Joe's atmosphere. Morning, lady and gentlemen. Uh, would be with you, but unfamiliar with the film. Don't worry about it, Joe. Uh, let's see. Good morning, Peter Vickman fan side. Let's see. Weren't they kidnapping people from Japan? That was a question about the North Vietnamese. What? Uh I'm assuming that that was when you were talking about everything that North Vietnamese had problem with the Chinese and and uh, all the other cultures and Japan. No, the yeah. only people that kidnap people from Japan would be North Korea. North yeah. Korea you did know, do that, it. In that fact, place, could, that place I was at. You know. Yeah, yeah, North Korea. Um, no, John and I, John and I were just talking about a movie where um, the original leader of uh, communist North Korea had kidnapped a film director and an actress yeah, uh, to make his own Godzilla movie. Pogasari. It's a... Uh, and we both have a copy of that. It's very good. It's actually a very good film. Yeah, surprisingly. Of course, um, it was directed by a good director, so, you know, it's... Yeah, well, the kidnapped director. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and they escaped. That should be a movie. That whole story should be a movie. Totally did Wingshauser, though... Um, he played Ramrod, the killer pimp in Vice Squad. That's right. He was so evil. He was featured in a horror documentary called Terror in the Isles back in the day. That's right. Um, damn, Wingshauser has a crazy look to him. Uh, Don knows all kinds of stuff, <laughs> says uh, Peter Vickman fan site, Vickman's girl. And let's see. Joe says, Monkey Jeebus is the guy at the hot dog stand messing with the cop in Highlander. Quoting the paper he's reading, what does baffled mean? (laughs) 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 Then Joe goes even further, what does incompetent mean? (laughs) 
That's his last one. Did Don meet BTS in Korea? I'm not BTS. sure I know what BTS is. It it's must a, be it's a uh, Korean K-pop group that's really oh. popular. Glenn do, they got the, do they got the Jiggly Girls in it? No, it's all guys. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Or, no. I think they're guys. They, they <laughs> Although I had a friend go, um, who would have responded? He, he would say something to the akin of, when he said, oh, no, it's only guys. It's like, well, with Asians. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, like, that's in Thailand, that's dude. <laughs> that's in Thailand. You go to Thailand yeah. and you're in a bar, always make sure that the girl next to you doesn't have junk. Yep. <laughs> Take a bow, as we say. <laughs> Just backhand. <laughs> Take a bow. Um so here we are in the film. Wings and the guys have found that village, and now we're outside the village. Where What's going on here, Don? No, that's the cave where they found the ghost. Mm. That's the cave that R. Lee goes into because he's got to take a bath. He's got his thirty-eight <laughs> yeah. and his, his, uh, his uh, chopper, and uh, this is after Hauser popped to VC at the... Uh, at the entrance to the cave, and then Arlie goes inside to find out what was going on. And you think I the guy's it was a dead first? That he has, huh? I thought it was a three fifty-seven that he has. Do you know what a three fifty-seven is, John? Yeah, just an extended thirty-eight. Well. Yeah, because the three fifty seven and the thirty eight are very close in size, as far as the round goes. Um, now you could get thirty eight special ammunition over there. Getting three fifty seven was a little more problematical. Uh, the military issued, and it was hardball. So when it came to stopping power, forget it, because uh, it's kind of like a nine millimeter hardball, just zip right through you. But if you had 357, especially 124, 25 grain hollow points, then you were going somewhere. But uh, but uh, I, I I thought it was a 38. And if it wasn't, it still shot 38, and that's what he probably would have had. Now, I do want to point out that there are elements in this film that I feel inspired somebody in Hollywood to make China Beach as a TV series. And it's interesting that Wings Hauser is in both, and both involve uh, medical people, of course, in the Vietnam War. And I think there's a connection there. I've wanted to put the time in doing research to see if somebody was directly involved, because um, I do feel elements of this film really led into the show China Beach. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show, but Wings yeah. is in it. He played uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel Mac Miller on that show. And that was pretty much the end of his major career. Uh, I don't know what happened to him, but uh, I do know that he apparently had sex at least once and had an amazing son with that woman named Cole Hauser, who was on Yellowstone. But uh, there are elements in this this film that kind of remind me of uh, the shit that goes on in China Beach, of which his relationship with the uh, senior 
medical officer in this film. Oh, this is when they run into some of the VC at the river. Do you know what river this is supposed to be? No. It kind of does feel like one, Alex Moore. It, it, if you, even though Wings, ha, ha, Wing, I, I hate to be a, a spoiler, but Wings Hauser dies in this movie. Um, but uh, it really does feel like it's connected, and I think it shares some DNA in the production. There's another Vietnam War TV series uh, around the same time. What was, what China Beach was the one. What was the other one? Anybody tour remember? of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty. Tour of duty. of duty. A tour of duty. Was it any good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was who better was, than China Beach. Who was in that? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well. It has a rotating cast. Rotating cast. Oh, nobody... so almost anthological and how it was told. Well, no, they had they had primary protagonists. They zeroed in on one squad. It was kind of bullshit, though, because they started out as pure infantry, and by the third season, they were running SOG type missions. So it was uh, it was uh, that part was bullshit. Hmm. I'm gonna go open it up on IMDb just to, to look to see who uh, did it. Terrence Knox, Stephen Caffey, Tony Becker, some of the names. Yeah, I do not know any of these guys. Kim oh, Delaney Kim Delaney was in, was in it. Kevin Conroy was in it. Batman. Yep. Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Yep. Nine episodes. And Kyle, Kyle Chandler. This had to be early in his career. Lee Majors. Really? I didn't see that yep. one. I'm not seeing it. I'll yeah, go to the next down. page. Let me click on all cast and crew. That's a good cast. Yeah, there he is. This five episodes he was in it. Angela nice. Bassett was in it. Wow, that's real that's early in her career too. Hey, look at the screen. That's <laughs> What's what's that? Don is in the in the movie. Look at that. Oh yeah, Don. <laughs> Arlie Ermy. Sons of bitches. That's why he tells him to shoot the girls and he doesn't want to at first, right? Is that the scene? Uh Kelly, no, that's Kelly later. Who was in it? 
that's later uh, when you see um, uh, females. They're like, "Hey, Americans, we love Americans," and the young guy's like, "Hey, you know," and and uh, Cole's like, uh, "What are you doing?" And he starts shooting around them, and, and they then, explode. And then they exploded. And that's this is the humanization of his character is is that kid. It's part of his story arc is he he's protecting and helping this kid that was left orphaned by the the Viet Cong. Well, he had a son that died. That was part yeah. of what yeah. happened. Originally, yeah. he had been <clears throat> probably either a staff or a gunny sergeant in the Marine Corps when his kid died. You had to really read into the movie. He went nuts, okay? His yeah, marriage he broke up. He went AWOL. They busted him down to E4. And, uh, you know, he, he had a fuck it attitude. There's the ghost. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, for its budget, they did really well in this with uh, the sets. Everything looked real. Uh, my big complaint with films like this is is the lighting when they're indoors. I, I dislike when you overlight a scene. And it the biggest sign that you're watching a lower budget film is, is how they light an indoor scene. But all the exteriors are really well shot. Philippines really worked. Though the jungles of Vietnam, from what I recall in my geography, are a little thicker than what you see here in the Philippines. And I remember my brother talking about going into the jungle, and it's just, it's like night. It was so thick, you couldn't see anything. Well, where I was, a lot of mountains. The jungles were in the valleys, like Asia. Asia was a mean oh the Asia Valley yeah and this is you know they, they show the dopers in this one too this guy is like in the middle of talking to him starts like token on a bong or whatever the hell he's got there hookah well, he was, uh, Every, everybody he was in masturbating when they nuts. came in so yeah it's it's weed mixed with um what opium. is it opium yeah. So it, it really chills you out. <laughs> so everybody's chill at this base. And you, I don't know, man. You get guys who are combat effective around these dudes, and it's like, uh, you know you're going to have problems. <laughs> and it's the thing that, you know, that I think was shown in the movie Platoon but clearly written from the stoner's point of view rather than the, the beer drinker guys. And that's how they were split up. And clearly, Arlie Ermey is one of the beer chuggers. Wing's just crazy. He's just crazy. Look at those eyes. He's crazy. Hmm. <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 thank God letters are covering it. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you left that in or not. Man, I had got time to edit these things. 
I'm doing the job of three people. <laughs> I do not have time to do stuff. Well, like pick that. up the pace. I mean, you look at what like Toxic writing, Tuesday right? does. Look at what Toxic Tuesday does, and it's it takes three people to do that show, and I do all of it. So, have we uh, anybody else? Look, we got some cool people dropping in. I haven't said good morning to everybody. D. Bud Martin, oh. Alex Moore, Penny was here. She's tired this morning, so she may have fallen asleep. Wake up, Penny! Uh, Monkey Jeebus, <laughs> Dragon Ruse, John Ostains, Dogler, who I believe is Mad Mardigan, uh, Joe's Atmosphere, the Peter Vickman fan site, Vickman's Girl, Zax, a.k.a. Kyle, Glenn Fleming, uh, that's Fleming, Glenn Fleming, Pin Ismaius, is, how do I, I don't know if I pronounce that correctly, Martin. Uh, I don't know either. You don't know either? Awesome. Uh, and then, of course, Bush McFadden is here. Good morning, everybody. Now, if there's one bitch I have about this movie, <clears throat> and I can't understand how they left it out, the one thing that little Firebase would have had was a ton of Claymore mines. Nobody mentioned or used a Claymore there. And I, when the first time I watched that, I was thinking, how in the hell could they have screwed that up? But they would have had a lot of mines out there, a lot of Claymores out there. And for you folks that don't know... A Claymore mind is a command-detonated mine. In other words, you use it with a firing switch, okay? It, there's a cable running from the mine back to your position, and a Claymore is like a super gigantic shotgun. It's a plastic container filled with one pound of Composition 4, C4, high explosives, and about 700 ball bearings or BBs. And when it's detonated, boy, it does a day's job. Now, I will tell you that you can um, make the um, uh, Claymore uh, detonatable by uh, uh, tripwire. You can do it. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but it is 90% of the time. It's, it's, you've got a little thing. you got to click it three times. One, two, three. And, and it detonates. And uh, it is written on there, point towards enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Once yeah. it says that, <laughs> point towards enemy. And it's got a, a curve to it specifically to increase the range and, and radius. I mean, not range, but radius of uh, targets. And it's 15 meters, as I recall, the, the kill blast. Did you notice that they didn't use or show claymores? There are no claymores in this movie. Yes, that's what are. I said. Did you notice? I didn't see any. When they no, when did you notice that they didn't have them? Oh yeah, they, that they, they don't. Yeah, it's like they talk about landmines at one point, and I assume maybe someone. they were talking about. But then the the one dude when they're out on a night mission, uh, steps on a landmine, but it's not one of theirs. No, no. Well, they, they, they did. They no. Wait a minute, because I, I'm just flashing on it. I rewatched the movie last week. They did infiltrate the the VC 
command headquarters and set up several claymores yeah. that were uh, tripwire, but they didn't have any at the base is what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, well, I forgot what the character's name is. He was the college kid. He's the one that stepped Murphy. on the... Uh, yeah, Mur he stepped on the mine. And they left him Boy, there while the, he... It takes him forever to get away from that thing. Well, yeah, you just can't step off of it. You have you have I to know. keep keep the same amount of weight or more weight on the trigger. Otherwise, it goes and, off. And I can't remember. Uh, d d he used the blade to do it, right? No, yeah, he, did, he, he used the, the blade. Off. He used he yeah. used the blade to cut the sole off his shoe. And oh, he, he did that. On there. But the and way they did it, it, the way it they're cutting between his colleagues and then him still trying to get off of that mine. It it makes you so anxious. It's so well done. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to read some of these comments right now. Uh, Wingshauser was Sean Bean of his time. <laughs> he kind of was. He really was. Um, except I really do think that Sean Bean's a better actor. If you Google high-functioning cokehead, the image tab will be filled with pics of Wingshauser. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, look at PCM being all law and order cautious it has nothing to do with that it has to do with i'm sick to death of having to deal with claims i'm sick of it i've got other things i need to be doing than going to youtube and and dealing with their claims so uh and speaking of claims we have a commercial break coming up so you want to pause it and uh let's see how we doing on time we have six minutes so uh no, we, we have one, one. minute one, I'm reading, Martin. I'm reading. And then I look at the time it was there, and I can figure it out on my own. <laughs> Forgive me math. for trying to be the math. By the way, you woke up, Penny. Good. Hi, Penny. Good morning. Jerk. <laughs> hey, it's, it's what I do. It's what I do. Um, we'll get back to these comments in a minute. Uh, until then, uh, go ahead, uh, Bill. Let's let's take us a commercial break. Thirty seconds. Hi guys, this is Gary from Pop Culture Minefield here on KGRA, and we're leaving for our first break. I hope we survive. A birthday without her mom, an anniversary without her husband, her wedding day without her dad. These are the days when military families feel it most of all: the loss of their soldier, their sailor. Their airmen, their marine, their coast guardsmen. Families never forget their loved ones lost to war or illness or suicide. Families never forget, and neither do we. We are TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. We provide resources, support, and comfort to heal the hearts and meet the needs of grieving military families, all at no cost to them. Your generosity can make an enormous difference in the lives of the families of our fallen military heroes. Our military families need to know they are not alone and they are not forgotten. Show them your support at TAPS.org.
Are we alone in the universe? The most important question facing humanity is on the verge of being settled once and for all. The Mutual UFO Network has been at the forefront of this journey for nearly 50 years. Our members worldwide are dedicated to the research, documentation, and awareness that will shape the future of humanity. Won't you join us? Hey members, the new KGRA DB app is now available on iOS and Android devices. Gain on-demand access to any KGRA DB programming. Download any show directly to your mobile device to listen or watch on the go. Go to the App Store and search KGRA DB. Oh wow, we survived. Welcome back to the commercial break. Now for some more pop culture minefield on KGRA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. And we are back. Uh, thank you for the commercial break. Uh, and so I hope everybody stuck around. Sticker. We have a $4 super sticker from Darius Munchhauser. I'm assuming it's a uh, pear and yes. coffee. Thank you, Darius. You are awesome. Uh, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, everything helps keep the lights on and, and StreamYard paid for. Uh, let's see. Joe's Atmosphere says, any more words of Rick Dalton in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Quote, my booze don't need nobody, end quote. Uh, good film. I actually like that film. I'm not a big Tarantino fan, but I really did enjoy that flick. Uh, let's see. For uh, the super sticker, you get this one. I haven't played this in a while. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Classic movie. <laughs> And an actor that is kind of known as an over-actor, but he was a great character actor, that Jimmy Stewart once said that uh, in doing a scene with him, <clears throat> and I think it was The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance was where he was talking when he said something to, to uh, John Ford. Now, I'll do the scene with him, but he's he can't have 
a pen and a string or yeah, a pen and a string. He can only have one item because if he has both of them, nobody will even notice I'm in the scene. Because he was, uh, Strother Martin was a notorious scene stealer because he's just that good. Uh, let's see. We've got, um, uh, yes, Penny is getting up because I'm loud and obnoxious. Gary, I see the light. I see the light. I see the light. There you go. Uh, let's see. Jarhead, which way do I mount this? Uh, read, um, point toward enemy. Got to be a hint. Yep. Not a big fan of that movie. It's like, uh, I want I want to write my version of From Here to Eternity about a war where really just not much happened for, for now. Trump. I gotta I gotta mention something about the Claymore and Sappers. <clears throat> Often right. Sappers would try to infiltrate via through the wire, the razor wire, and they would turn those claymores 180 degrees. Yes, around. yes. So it would, it, they would long. aim it back at the Americans, their own right. claymores. Didn't take long to mount luminescent tape on the ass end of those mines. So you because could see them. if they got turned around, you, you would be able to see that exactly. Uh, Gary is getting pretty good at this reading thing. He almost got the hang of it. Screw you, Boosh. <laughs> You try reading little tiny print like this on a screen. <laughs> um, so let's get back into it. Hit play. How far are we along? Because I can't see your, your control for some reason. Uh, we have about an hour and 10 minutes. Left? Yeah. Are we not playing it fast? I said to go ahead and play it fast. Oh. Did did you switch it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. I love you too, Bush. Good dude. You're a good dude. Good dude. Um Yeah, this is where it's got the China Beach feel. Yep, when we meet the medical team. She's a bitch. And by the way, uh, fire bases were a thing of the past. We don't really see them anymore. Uh, modern military, we have what's referred to as uh, uh, forward observation base, FOBs. And um, they're bigger than the fire bases. I think uh, the fire base itself, oh, this is their uh, dreaming, looking at clouds moment. <laughs> the yep. BC looking up at the sky. I think that one's an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> That was such a weird scene. I think that one's a Huey loaded for bear. You can actually tell when you hear them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I used to know if they were bringing in or taking out because um, they had that bass sound to, to the, the rotors. You could hear that <laughs> when they were carry, carrying a heavy load or even if they were armed, uh, they have a different sound. Same thing with Blackhawks. You, you can hear it, whether they're a slick or whether they're a, a weapon one or if they're carrying heavy cargo. Here's the scene, Anima. Yeah, that's the girls. Hi, G.I. Hello. <laughs> hey, aren't they cute? Shoot them. Long time. 
shoot him. I ain't going to shoot him. Then they explode. Oh. Because yeah, they shot the You want to survive? You got to be crazy like me. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen this film, you really do need to see this film. Because I think they spent more time focusing on the combat like um, We Were Soldiers did. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket only has a little bit of combat in it, really. And I would say it's just as brutal as We Were Soldiers. Yeah. There's a lot of here's violence. Where, here's where the Tet Offense started. Yep. It's them uh, invading the uh, embassy in Saigon. I would actually like to work on something, you know, just focusing on what really happened on, during Tet. They just call it Tet. You know, do a graphic novel and then sell it as a film or a series. I wouldn't care. So somebody can finally see in, in popular media what really happened that day and stop, you know, spreading the bullshit. If Arlie Ermey wouldn't have shown up at Firebase Gloria, this would have been a short movie. Because the condition they were in, they were going to overrun in seconds. Yeah. Well, they still get overrun, but they fight back. I mean, it's it really does feel like a hundred to one kind of situation. But U.S. military, especially Marines in particular, are really good with those numbers. Historically. Yeah. Army. And Marine Corps, just really good without being outnumbered. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not happy about it. No. What was your favorite part of this film, Don? Well, I don't know if you can actually ask that question, what was your favorite part of the film? The whole thing was kind of a downer for me, but uh, uh, if you're talking about the the exciting scene, well, no, I, let let me rephrase it and say, what do you think was the most impressive part of the film? Any particular? Well, I, I, I got to tell you, when the VC got into the the med center and started shooting, you know, the uh, nurses and patients. And that head nurse picking up that M16 that uh, Murphy left her and zapping that guy, you know, zapping one of the VC. uh, And I kept thinking, hit him again, hit him again, because he just. She couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. But the ghost ghost picked up on him. He nailed him. He snaps back to, to being normal, sort of, in that situation. Well, well, you know, it's it's funny, Anima, because in a situation like that, he kind of was able to an extent to work through his PTSD. Okay, from the time he was freed from the from the VC cave and everything that happened, he kind of came back to life. And he did that because I'm convinced he was around those other combat vets. Okay which kind of was a, a healing effect on him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Now, here's here's something that a lot of civilians would never understand. At the end of the battle, okay, there was still a lot of live, although seriously wounded VC. Now, if you know anything about Guadalcanal, mm-hmm. okay, at the Alligator Creek battle, okay, and if you watch the Pacific, it's in one of the early discs of the Pacific. <clears throat> the Japanese were notorious for never surrendering. Their one only and only objective was to take an American with them. So guys would go out, survey the battle scene, find a live Japanese. They would act like they wanted to surrender so they could get medical assistance. And the next thing you know, the Japanese setting off a grenade or a knife, knifing the guy, okay, to kill an American before he died. Well, the same thing was happening here. Now, it was obvious that there was no way they could take or treat those wounded VC. And one of the characters says, I think it was Wingshauser, I don't need them coming back to life tonight with a grenade. Well, what he was referring to, these guys probably knew they were going to die. They wanted to take some Americans with them. So how do you operate? What do you do? You clean up the battlefield. You shoot the wounded. Now, that's against the rules of war, but the people that made the rules of war weren't there, all right? And I totally, totally understand that scene, and I witnessed something very similar to that. So, uh, you know, war's a son of a bitch. They would booby-trap bodies, too. Notoriously, and yeah. there's you sh- objects. Um, they showed that in Full Metal Jacket too, when the guy yeah. walks up and picks up the stuffed animal. Huge mistake. Yeah. We were taught yeah, like was- early on: if you find an object on the field, don't touch it. You see him approach that stuffed animal, and you know what's going to happen. I had a buddy that had a hand blown off for that very thing. Picking something up from the field. Yeah. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Because uh, we got that all the way back to World War One, uh, where I told you about my grandfather and the piano in that old school that they had found. It was a blown-out building. And the piano was wired. That if you hit uh, any of the keys on the piano, it would have blown up. But he didn't tell them. He didn't tell the MPs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. My grandpa didn't like MPs. <laughs> Fucked up story, that is. By the way, Don, I did look it up, and uh, I do believe it was from Guadalcanal that the nickname came about from uh, for Jirene. And Jirene was actually a nickname that was given to Marines by Marines uh, because it was a play on the GI. Because Army and Marines were both considered GIs, and the Marines wanted to be more distinct, and that's when they came up with the nickname Gyrene. It was their response to GI, Gyrene. Get it? Gy, yeah. GI. And that's how that came about. And uh, I looked it up in, a, in one of my history books, and I found it was like, oh, wow. But I don't see anything before Guadalcanal. 
And so I'm I'm thinking that that's when it happened that they came up with that name. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, this is the, is this the sea with the landmine? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's like, oh crap! I stepped on a landmine. Somebody help me here. <laughs> That's one of those moments you I've seen in other films where everybody just sort of walks around them and gets away from them, and it's like, oh shit! I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> Nobody's gonna help you. And the landmine blows up, taking you know, and he's like, you know, that was that was see there he's stacking the rocks on it. Yeah, here, here he comes back into camp to talk to the guy. This whole thing is so nerve-wracking. How long it takes him to get away from there, and you don't know will he succeed. And there it is. There, there's it. the landmine going off. Or is that? No, that's. Oh, we're going faster. Never mind. No, that's then blowing up the the camp. Yeah, yeah. The VC camp. But there's a scene where he walks up to the wire and. Uh, uh, He's, you know, he's giving the guy the password and he's talking to him and, and it, the, the uh, mind goes off and he goes, that was, you know, that, that one had my name on it and walks off. My favorite By the way, when he gets any... asked for the password and he says, fuck your password. That was I like that one. Yeah, that was really good. For any of you Bailey fans, my wife brought out another fistful of rocks. So <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's happy now <laughs> with her rocks. Where the hell are they? There they are. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's great right there. Boots Bailey's real rock hound. Stepped on a lawn landmine. Why would you do that? <laughs> Uh, no one likes us. I understand we're Rodney Dangerfield of MOS, this mission-oriented specialty for the, uh, for the civilians out there. Uh, military occupational services, too, is another use of the word MOS. Um, walking around landmines. All that's, that's actually Darius. That's how they wired it. Because the piano had metal... Uh, wire cords they just attached one wire line tethered it to the entire piano so if you touched any key and that mallet hit it blew up let's see without sound joe's atmosphere at least she didn't ask you what's that at least she didn't ask you for a fistful of dollars there you go don Fistful of dinars. What's that from? Yeah. Fistful of datas. That's what's These Star Trek. two guys in the helicopter have way too much fun flying around. Okay. There's another complaint uh, that I have with the film. Have you ever been in a helicopter and try to talk? Yeah, it's loud. <laughs> it's loud as effing. It's yeah. loud as F. It's, it's ridiculous. And they're just having conversations. Uh, Saying lines. Well, I enjoy why. it. I like the banter. It's good banter, but they needed to add sound to that. It was ridiculous. Well, they had, uh, uh, that's why when you're in a helicopter, the first thing they do is they give you a, a, a headset. That's right. Because yeah. it's got to an talk to each other because you can't hear each other over the sound of those rotors. Nope. 
The engines are literally six inches away from your head. Yeah, the battlefields are really good in this, too. They're really gory. Yeah, they used a lot of amputees in, in this movie. Yeah. Oh, shit. That kid's got a, a, a 50? Was that a 50 in his hand? Yeah. Oh my God. He's, playing, he's Just, playing with a 50 like it's a, like it's plane or something. He's slamming it down. <laughs> like, no, it's, no. Like it's a, like it's a uh, uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon when they're hammering on the, the bomb, testing the bombs, when Daffy was testing the bombs. Now, this is when the chopper pilot goes to the other pilots and goes, come on, guys, let's go do some combat. Have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that conversation would have gone that way with real chopper pilots. Yeah, and that's the aftermath of uh, those claims. So that is the Viet Cong Command uh, emblems on their... I'm assuming they're ranks, cloth ranks. Yeah. Yeah. That's from above. You know, it was on my my helmet band, Don. What? No. It was on there, written on the right side of my helmet. It says, Peace by Superior Firepower. <laughs> yep. And I was trying to be ironic. <laughs> yeah, well, those rockets, those rocket pods that they mounted on Yui's, uh, that would uh, give you some peace. Let me tell you what. Yeah, nobody wants to get hit by those of the miniguns when they got those. Whew. Now, one oh, thing I no. had a problem with... What? To- what is this? Twitter isn't allowing me to share video clips because of license restrictions? Yeah. That's he's, new. He's been yeah, trying to... New. Oh. He's been trying to upload uh, a video on the member chat. Really? In a private group? Yeah. That is weird. I don't like uh, that. Artificial maybe it's another thing because tweets. my Twitter just went kaput. So maybe Twitter is failing. Yeah, loud rotors are coming handy when my boss calls. <laughs> what? I do not copy. I do not copy. <laughs> Can you come in Saturday? Just can't hear you, boss. <laughs> Call me on Saturday. I'm going to be golfing. <laughs> yeah, everything Monkey Jeebus uploaded won't play. Uh, that's weird. I can understand it on the on the public page, but in a private group? Yeah, but yeah. it's Monkey Jeebus, so there may be a reason. It may yeah. be just anti-monkey right. software. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is the confrontation between these two. Because, you know, the, Arlie Ermey says early in the narration that this is the guy that's always got my back. And now all of a sudden, he's telling him, I don't care. Uh, you know, he's Han Solo. You know, I just want my money, man. I'm not interested in your war, your revolution, man. Well, it's, he's burned out is what's happened. It's yeah. The war's got to him. And... uh I think a and big then, deal. Uh, Arlie that. Army says, "You know, you were you weren't like this before your kid died. He's done. It's, it's a bridge too far, man. 
Crazy eyes. Oh. But I can tell you what, man, that guy can cry. He can cry on cue. He got his look his son got his looks from the mom, but he got his acting skills from Wings. Because Wings could act. Can you put those those pictures of the panel on the side? What pictures? Of us. Oh. Yeah, I can, but it can can get messed up sometimes because of this. Because somebody turned it off. It needs to be back on. Hey, turn the lights on, will you, Gary? See, we have this. And once you do that, it covers up faces. So I put us down at the bottom so you can actually still see us. Turn the lights on. <laughs> that, that conversation between Arlie Ermey and Wingshauser, you find out that Arlie Ermey, uh, his character, uh, is the mentor of Wingshauser, that he got him through. Yeah, he, um, he's the one that helped him get through everything. Yeah. And that's what makes the ending so tragic. Yeah. Because, you know, thinking. he kind of saw him like a son. He's his friend. He's his, He's like his son. And no, here we go. Younger brother. Yeah, brother, yeah. not son. He said in the in the beginning, the voiceover, he says he's the brother he never had. Now the 50 would shred bodies, not just make them fall over. Oh <laughs> no. True. The the damage done by 50 cal is ridiculous. The first um real good representation of that was in, in the movie The Jackal with Bruce Willis when he blows off the arm of uh, Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. It's like the destructive. There it is. She shoots that uh, VC guy that was in there shooting people. And then she's all crazy eyed looking at. Uh, now something else ghost about shooting him. Continuity in the film. This is January, beginning of February, 1968. Right. You'll see a lot of those M16 rifles. With They're the wrong 30, M16s. 30 round magazines. Okay. No. At that time, there may have been a few 30 round magazines being used for testing purposes, but they were all 20 round mags. And you never loaded those shorter mags with all 20 rounds. The magazine sometimes would fail. So as a rule, you would put no more than 18 rounds in those 20-round magazines. And then you could slip one up the tube, and you'd have 19 rounds. But everybody knew that, and everybody did it. Here's the fight with the... the uh, um, oh, yeah. The, uh, the lead of the general, or the colonel. The Viet Cong colonel. And, and here's the funny thing. Once again, Marine Corps always got the shit into the stick during Vietnam. They always got hand-me-downs from the Army. Oh, they'd steal shit from the Army. That, too. That, too. So, you know, a lot of the flak jackets you uh, saw uh, in sure, Vietnam sure by Marines was shit that they had inherited from the Korean War. A lot of their gear. But they foreshadowed shortwave dying at the very beginning when they when you find out he only had 17 days left. 
Oh yeah, the minute you hear somebody short in the military in a movie, they're yeah, gonna they're die. Good. Yeah, they have become a red shirt. <laughs> That's right. And the interesting thing there is that uh, VC commander picks up that kid like he's saving the kid when it's their group that orphaned the kid in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's almost like a a broken arrow feel to this too, with uh, the classic Western uh, overrun Custer kind of situation. It was a broken arrow. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't saying it wasn't. I was just saying that, uh, you know, it it's, gives you the Western feel because that's where Broken Arrow there's, came from. Is the scene. Yeah. Yep. It's the final moments. And uh, Wings is wounded and dying. in the willy. And uh, the doctor's like, we'll get you out of here. We'll save you. And he he's looks paralyzed. at Arlie Ermey. He says, I can't feel anything. And he's also blind. He can't see. And he's like... Kill me. Do this. Don't. I'm not going home suffer. like this. That's what he says. We have an agreement. I'm not going home like this. And he really doesn't want to. But he does in the end. This is where they, they talk about uh, the, the Viet Cong being wiped out as an effective force. Yep. They were done. They were done. The Tet Offensive uh, was a major foobar on their part major foobar they um what's that called when you overplay your hand that's what it's called overplayed their hand they didn't have the communication skills the inter the inter-unit communication skills to do and they they were counting on a nationwide revolt against the south vietnamese government they thought the people would rise up and they didn't and so, therefore, you know, but nobody wants to talk about that on in the news here in the United States. All they wanted to talk about was how, um, you know, we lost. And, uh, and that's what would happen. You know, and like I said, I'd like to do a graphic novel one day or, or you know, before I die to tell what really happened in, during the Tet Offensive and the ramifications of what happened. Because this film touched on it and said that was it. The Viet Cong were done. We had killed so many of them. And most of the in-country fighting, uh, the non-urban combat, was uh, a day early because they weren't communicating properly. And they launched 24 hours early out in the field. Shut up, Zax. When you overplay your hand, it's a hand job. <laughs> Kyle. Kill me, Kyle. Kyle. Um, so, but I hope, you know, everybody should check this movie out. Siege, The Siege of Firebase Gloria is a really good film. I would not put it in my top 10 of all war films, but I would definitely put it in a list of Vietnam war films, that's a must see because it tells a particular story and it's really pretty accurate. And it's telling the story it's telling. And we of course have Don here to say whether I'm full of shit or I'm right. But I think Don agrees. It's, it's fairly accurate in how that was, what it did. 
The I'm sure. I, 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 I saw no major faux, faux pas in it at all. Yeah, me either. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the mistakes dad, are made. That's how it was. And I'm not sure who the military advisor was on this, but um, um, th there was another film that came out in the 80s that was low budget, uh, Charlie Mopic. And Dale worked on that one. And it was also another low budget uh, war film that I think did a fairly good job of telling its story. There was another one that uh, is little known today called Platoon Leader. Oh, crap. Michael Dudikoff. Yes. yes. Yeah, I pulled that out of my butt. <laughs> I remember that Thanks. movie. Yeah, Michael the... Dudikoff. I remember that film. Low budget. That now that one I think was Canon Globus. So that should be part of Brian's Canon series of films. Um switch to Gilded. I forget which one's Gilded. Gilded Gilded is the Discord um alternate. To Twitter, no, not to Twitter. It's the alternate to Discord. Discord. Yeah, we, I think Jibo should be talking about Minds or Gab or something. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not a big fan of uh, Discord. I don't like it. <coughs> uh, I think it's too chaotic. I stopped uh, using it. My problem with Twitter is um, really the only problem I have with it currently is is Messenger doesn't update properly. They should have their own separate app, just like Facebook has for Messenger. Gilded dropped you on your head. That makes sense. That explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but um, I don't know. the The M sixteen had a lot of variations when it first came out. The M sixteen, then the M sixteen A one, and then the M sixteen A two. The magazines changed. But I don't believe that the Marines would have had 30-round magazines, even experimental, during the Tet Offensive. Marines just didn't get shit. No, they, they were all 20-round. That's what I see. Yeah, 20-round mags. Yeah. Um, they had the A1 and... A now, the A1... No, it was A2 that, had the, that put the forward assist in first, right? No. It was the A1 then. A1 had the forward assist. Because that was the first big major change. Was the A2 the was assist. a three-round burst. The three-round burst on the selector switch. That's right. So the Because the, uh, that's what we had when I was in. We got the M16A2. And uh, we had the pew. Or we had the no pew. The pew. And the pew, pew, pew. That's why I grabbed myself a grease gun. Grease guns are nice weapons. They're, you know, look, we have these mechanically produced weapons in, in the military, and every once in a while they'll come up with one that just knocks it out of the park. AK-47, for all of the complaints that everybody has on that thing, you can drop that thing in the mud. You can let it sit out in the desert for long periods of time. No, that, that was something Let it else, rain Gary. on, and it'll still work. When, when you're in a fight like that, Every like seat like the siege of Firebase Gloria, everybody would have grabbed an AK and some ammunition and had it there in their fixed position in the event they needed it. Because at close range, that AK was quite a stopper. 
Well, it's a 7.62 NATO round. It's much more powerful than the M16. No, it's Force not NATO. But if you watched it in the film, and it, was, and it was in one of the images, you can see some of the VC had picked up American weapons. Right. <clears throat> there, it was that scene where it cuts from them firing from the hip, and then it cuts to Arlie Ermey firing from the hip. And both of them are shooting at each other with M16s. Now, Wingshauser did something in that movie I never saw. Shooting his M16 one-handed while he was holding a machete in the other hand. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Rambo. <laughs> yeah, nothing looks crazier than Wingshauser with a machete in one hand and an M16 in the other. <laughs> at least he wasn't holding the kid at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, wait a minute. What if that was also in his arms? Machete, kid, and M16. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, last time I saw Wings Hauser was in that weird, weird movie called Rubber with the tire as the central protagonist. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I've only seen it one time. It was all I needed to see it. I never need to watch it again. It's so <laughs> yeah. weird. But Wings Hauser is in a wheelchair, and I wasn't sure if that's because he's actually in one or if that was just his character. But it was cool to see him again as a crazy bearded guy that looks like he hasn't shaved in weeks. So okay, like you basically. Uh, yes, he says I was dropped on my head. Uh, yeah, special now. I have my own bus, and uh, we shall we call it a truncated bus. Oh, good luck to the censors calling me on that one. They got to know <laughs> words. <laughs> no wonder we lost. Soldiers like Gary are burying their rifles in mud, leaving them raining instead of periods of time getting his hand in them. Um, yeah, I, I would never do that. You you love your weapon. It is like your best friend. I always read AK-47 was superior to the M-16 for fighting in Vietnam. Uh, for com jungle combat, yes, it is. M16 is garbage. They used to talk, brag about the tumble effect. You know, it's like, it's not something to brag about when you really know what's going on with that round. Because it's going subsonic. And so it begins to, you know, it, it. I refer to it as, have you ever watched Billy Kilmer throw a football? That's an M16 round. Anybody who knows football and Billy Kilmer knows that that guy never threw a pretty pass in his career. Not once. There was no spiral. It was this weird. <laughs> I, go watch a YouTube video of Billy Kilmer throwing a football. Well, the, the round didn't tumble until it hit something. Everybody has there, or a lot of people have the idea that when you fire the round, it's tumbling. No, it's not. Christ, you wouldn't have any accuracy. But after it hit, and in the early days of the M16, before they screwed up the powder, okay, when they had rounds that were primary and special forces were using that black rifle, the VC had a healthy respect for it because it would screw them up. It was after that piece of shit, son of a bitch, Bob McNamara, McNamara decided everybody should have the M16 that all that powder that had been made for the M14 rifle, which was, my God, that, that was a whole different beast. They started loading the M16 rounds 
with that extruded powder and it gummed up the works. The M16 had very, very tight tolerances. And initially, if you can believe this, they were selling that rifle saying it was a self-cleaning rifle. Yeah, there's no such thing as self-cleaning. <laughs> and but, guys, um, guys were dying in the jungle, the Marines especially, because they turned in their M14 rifles for the M16. They go out there, fire a couple of magazines. The gun would get jammed up. The chrome bores had not been universally installed yet. And uh, they were having rounds jam in the breach. It was it was a, well, hey, it was a clusterfuck par excellence. People were writing home, and this was a matter of public record. No, this is true. Yeah, I know this one. Requesting their parents or whoever send them pistols, okay, because they couldn't depend on their rifles, and Congress ended up having hearings on that. That was early in the war. Nah, 66 or so. 66, 67. That's a little more junk I pulled out of my my head, uh, Gary. Oh, thank God you didn't say out of your ass. <laughs> no, you're the one that likes pulling stuff out the back door. Oh, thanks, John. I'm going to miss you so much when you're gone. <laughs> hey, and that is true. Uh, you go in this Wednesday, right? Is it this yep. week? Yep, Wednesday and probably Thursday. I'm not, well, we'll see how I feel Thursday. Well, no, because I'll still be at the hospital. Never mind. I won't. I probably Are the, won't is it going to be until. same day or you're going to st- stick around for a little bit? I have to stay overnight, at least overnight. It depends on if. Because it's an actual invasive procedure. Yeah. All right. Depends All I know if is I, I, if I be turn out I have a all or positive I have I'm also going to eat really horrible food on Wednesday just for you. Okay. I'll probably have Chinese food. (laughs) Or maybe because of this movie, some Vietnamese. (laughs) I actually like Vietnamese food. Uh, We have a Vietnamese restaurant here in Springfield. And it's really good. We've got two Thai restaurants that are good. Um, No Korean restaurants, but one of the Chinese restaurants has, or used to have, uh, uh, a Korean grill inside. So you get classic Korean barbecue. And I love Korean barbecue. How come the military won't let soldiers buy better stuff if they have the money? Look, they had to get a lockdown. It's the same problem that they had with after World War II with people leaving the field with mementos, which included weapons. And they're like, we can't, we can't have that, is what the military said. The government said. The government said, we can't have that. Um, we want to know what guns are out there, blah, blah, blah. It's it's all about the whole policing of shit that has nothing to do with them. But they felt there were complaints about soldiers coming home with swords and guns. And then that incident in Vietnam led to concerns that uh, we can't have private weapons being used in combat because we don't know if it's fitting into NATO because NATO is important. Not, NATO not can shove enemy. it up their ass. NATO doesn't give two shits about the enemy, what they do. 
but they care what we're doing. And that's always pissed me off about NATO. Uh, it's like I, I joke every time we talk about Audie Murphy. You know, Audie Murphy jumped on that fucking ant. Oh, I did one F bomb. There's my F bomb. Um, <clears throat> he. Um, you started to show out with an F bomb. Yeah, you did. Did yeah. I? Yeah. 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 It's still two. That's two. Three. Well, I have co- consciously been careful. I can't believe I did three. Well, so then I um, only have this to say. How dare you? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> Bruh. I hope I didn't do three. But anyway, Audie Murphy jumped up on top of that uh, tank buster that was on fire and grabbed that mounted 50. Now, the 50 was designed specifically for other armor. It was not to be used for anti-personnel because it was considered uh, anti-armor round, not anti-personnel. That's right. We can drop a 500-pound bomb on We can drop bombs on him. Don't, don't you dare shoot him with a 50 caliber. <laughs> and he slaughtered and those around. Germans with that 50. And in the movie, once again, I think it's funny. You see the Germans getting hit with that 50 and they just drop. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not what it looks like. I've always wanted to retell that story of Audie Murphy and show what really happened and how brutal it was. Because uh, if you want to make an anti-war film, make a really good war film. And it should terrify people. What happens to the body when it's hit? What happens to the mind after surviving? You know, that's a good war film. Trying, if you go out of your way to make an anti-war film, nobody wants to watch it. Tom Cruise learned that with uh, Lions for Lambs. Nobody watched that movie. Um, what's his name? Brian De Palma learned that with uh, Born his on the anti-war of July. film. I'm not a fan of that film. I'm really not. No, and don't get me either. wrong. I admire anybody who, who who fought in combat and survived. But uh, I get tired of these uh, guys that go up there. and Because that's at the end of uh, Webb's book, too, uh, where the, the veteran at the end of it goes to a, a protest. And then he's like, he, he says, look, I don't like the war either, but I don't agree with what you're doing and what you're saying. We did, we served for something as individuals, whether you like it or not, we did. So the character walks away and the guy's giving him shit as he's trying to get in his car and he's walking on crutches, you know, because he's, you know, I think he lost his leg, the main character in that story. And he's talking to this character named Breverman or Braverman. And as he's about to get in his car, he lays that uh, crutch over the top of his uh, car and points it right at the guy. And he goes, hey, Braverman. The guy turns and looks at him and he goes, pow, and then gets into the car and drives away. And uh, and that should be the general idea of what a, a Vietnam veteran should feel about the way they protested the war. Because, yes, you should be against war, but you shouldn't be an asshole about it. And that's the problem with the protesters of Vietnam pretty much all the time. Most of the protesters are just assholes that don't know shit. They think that their lives are more important than anybody else's. And that's what pisses me off about people who fled the draft, is that you are such a coward that you believe that your life was more important than those that went and stepped forward and and accepted their fate to serve. And that just irritates the shit out of me. Well, right. Oh, we lost you, Don. 
Right now, the armed forces are in a sorry state of confusion. And if they have to reinstitute the draft to bring, you know, the numbers back up, it's going to be interesting as hell to see how that shakes out. I guarantee you, Canada will have the single most secure border they've ever had if they do it. I guarantee you, because we got to, I hate saying it, but our country is just chock full of pussies right now. Chock full of them. And um, it's ridiculous how many I've run into, you know. And you hear that shit from people all the time, you know, I'll go to Canada. I'll go to Canada if I, I go to Canada if this, you know, it's like, whatever, dude, whatever. There's going to come a point where Canada goes, no, it's okay, mate. You you stay there. I do think it should be a duty to serve your country, but not exclusively in the military. You should. Well, not everybody can serve in the military. Not everybody's made for that. So, so there should be service of some nature. Austria is doing it that way. You can, you can go civil services or the military. Yep. And uh, but there are only so many, you know. Well, here's something else too that uh, a lot of people are not taking into account. We've got a generation and a half of armchair warriors playing Call of Duty, sitting on their ass, getting up to 300 pounds. Can you imagine these guys trying to get through basic training? No. <laughs> not without those stress cards. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up the yellow card. Drill sergeants can't talk to me. I'm holding up my strength card. Man. A few years ago, a guy near me found an MG-08 World War I machine gun and his grandfather's loft complete with ammo belt. It was on the local news, and he eventually gave it to the British War Museum. That's fantastic. Um, I'm going to tell you, I had an incident once. Uh, uh, I was out with my buddy David Carneal when we were kids, hanging out at his dad's farm. And we're just playing out in the field, you know, up, you know, cornfield, you know, rows of corn, and found a rusted old grenade, pineapple grenade, and brought it back, and uh, I could see that it was empty, you know, the 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 bottom had been unscrewed, and whatever was in there, the firing pin and all that was gone, but I brought that back, and his dad came running out. He's a Vietnam War vet, and. He came running out, saw that, and he knocked us down, tackled us, and grabbed that grenade and threw it back into the field. And I was like, "Going, it's empty. It was it. Never mind. We'll go back and find it." <laughs> but it scared the shit out of him when he saw that. Uh, he thought we were being typical idiots, even though we were technically, because I still had to pick it up to find out that it was empty. Mm-hmm. That was sometimes eight. I wonder how you're still alive. You have no idea. You have no idea. I, had a, I, I, my uh, guardian angel was working overtime when I was a kid. Uh, super cool, Glenn, on the story on the MG. Uh, let's see, what's the next one? Uh, John, I don't think I ever managed to get through a show without one. And yeah, That's nothing to do with me, but yeah, absolutely interesting story, bud. And then Don and Anima also have f bombs this episode, so don't feel so too bad. No, I don't. No, I heard both of them. I heard no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I ever made it to a single show. I think I am. I am one. one ahead of them. I'm one f ahead of them. That son of a bitch Zelensky volunteered our troops to fight Russia. I I absolutely don't even want to get into it. I don't want to talk about it. Nope. 
because uh, you know Google, who owns well, YouTube, well, will punish us if we talk about it. They will. Uh, and uh, but I have a very strong opinion on that myself, my friend. And um, nothing pisses me off more than when people go, "You're putting yourself into a quagmire with Af- Afghanistan," but then you go to an actual quagmire. And then they get ready giggity, to fight. Giggity, giggity, giggity. That's right. Hey, Peter, does that look like a cue? How about now? Giggity, giggity. All right. So, uh, anybody knows that episode? That was one of my favorites where uh, Quagmire's in the Navy and rescues uh, Peter when he got left in the ocean when they first met. It's a funny one. And the cue is his his wiener. He says he does something with his wiener. You don't know what it was. He's got his back to the camera. He goes, "Hey Peter, does that look like a cue? How about now? Giggity giggity. All right." <laughs> uh, because death is like no one. Let's see where he goes with the blood. Uh, he said, yeah, that is like, "No, no. This let's see where, where where he goes with this." <laughs> Like on Discworld, Death is watching Rinswing just not die all the time. Oh, man. Um, I did stupid, because like one of the dumbest things I did was with my brother and his best friends, we snuck into this guy's uh, uh, garden in his backyard, went underneath barbed wire, got in there, stole radishes and all, all sorts of stuff. And on our way out, he peppered us with salt rock shotgun. And my brother Mike and I both got hit. In the butt, and I got to tell you, ow, because <laughs> that salt gets in there and it, it hurts even more. And it's like getting hit with a bunch of BBs. It's not even that powerful. It's a low gauge, barely broke the skin. It's meant for rodents. Is really what that's designed for. But for the back door, let's see, what do I got for the back door? Oh, we will do this one today. Military. Here's your potential LZs. The Marines at the embassy advise we can gain entrance through the back way. There you go. Marines like the back door. So did Jim Morrison. Yeah, I'm out of wake. I drink. So did, so did Jim Morrison. Ooh. He liked the back door. Ooh. That's something I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I've never watched that movie, by the way. No, this was this. I got two bios on them. Hey, the doors was my group. Okay. And even though I had a lot of despicable loathing for Morrison, I loved the doors. I really did. And that guy was wow. I wonder if he ever heard the butterfly scream when he went. Nerdrotic said back door yesterday. Oh, clip it. Send it to me. Monkey, send me a clip. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. We're down to the last few minutes here. Um, I, I don't know. If you have not seen the Siege of Firebase Gloria, go out and get a copy of it. You can v- watch it on video on demand. You can watch it uh, You know, buy the it's DVD. On, I think it's on Tubi. I wouldn't be surprised. Tubi's got a lot of good stuff. Tubi has uh, Space 1999, as does, of course, Prime. It's available on Prime. I have Prime, so um, I can always watch that. And uh, um, I I haven't seen an update, by the way, Monkey. I keep looking, and it's not updated yet in the uh, Toxic Tuesday chat. So I haven't haven't seen 
the last thing I see was posted by Barudel and nobody else. So uh, I don't know what's going on with with Twitter with him today. Um, I hope it's not uh, something permanent that's going to cause all of us bad problems. But uh, in the long run, what can I say? The goddamn robots, John! They suck. They suck. Robots suck. Uh, any last thoughts on the movie, guys? War is unkind to flowers and other living things. It's true. Very unfriendly. And by the way, I did want to mention on the tumble effect, we were also told that they, the tumble starts if you're doing jungle warfare. If the, the 16 round, which is 223 or uh, 5.56, um, when it hits leaves, big leaves, will begin to tumble. And that was also apparently one of the references to the tumble effect on the M16. That if it hit a leaf, like an elephant leaf, you know, it would, uh, and if it, nobody has ever seen an elephant leaf, man, that's a crazy looking leaf. They are. That's huge. why they came out with a 40 Mike Mike. 40 Mike Mike. The friend of every infantry. <laughs> I was really good with those. Um, uh, seriously, I, now I, I'm going to bet you were probably good with them too. I could put it right on somebody's head. I got really good at that because with I, the M seventy nine, not the two hundred three, not the two hundred three. I was issued a two hundred three on an M sixteen the night before I got hit in Quang Tree. We had been asking for frags. Believe it or not, there were no frags on the damn base. But this second lieutenant came out and handed me an M sixteen. I have my grease gun. Handed me an M16 with a 203 on it. I'd never seen one before. These were then known as the XM203, which was experimental. But uh, I, I still to this day have no idea how to accurately shoot that thing. But the 79, I was pretty handy with. Uh, the way I fired ours, because I had one mounted under my M16, is I never aimed it this way. I always turned it sideways and aimed it that way. It just, I found it easier to gauge and I was really pretty accurate with that thing. Uh, I would have loved to have had an M 79. That's what my brother had in Vietnam. He, he was, he carried him 79. In fact, I have a photo of him somewhere and uh, sitting there holding, pointing it at his best friend's head. There are like wasted in the photo uh, up in the hills of Vietnam and, just lit on beer. They were wasted, drunk. Um, which is one of the things to do on downtime when you're uh, at the fire base. But uh, uh, anybody else have any thoughts on the film before we go? No, John, Martin? Uh, like I said, I watched it in the, in the early 90s with my dad before he passed. And he did tell me how uh, how fairly accurate it is as far as a depiction of what life was like out in the jungle. Uh, how do you think, uh, do you think it was pretty accurate on how it represented Arlie Army? <laughs> well, Arlie Army just plays Arlie Army. Arlie Army is just Arlie Army in every movie he does. That's right. <laughs> um, I love him in that film, man. 
Uh, and there are moments if you're not looking at the screen, like I'll I'll be looking away doing artwork. I'll hear that voice and like that scene when he's carrying those heads. I swear to God, when he's walking around with those heads in his hands, all I could hear is uh, uh, drill sergeant uh, or drill instructor. Uh, what was his rank? I what have we got here? A fucking comedian. Yeah. When he did that role, um, that became the in, the absolute single most memorable thing of his career. Yes. So therefore, when he goes off about those Whoa. heads being cut off, Wait. it's just Drill Sergeant Hartman. That's all it is. It's, but they so had insult have, have injury. They took the gun. They took the M-Deuce. 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 We have a deuce. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Bill for being here. He's got to go. So we're going to wrap up the show really quickly. Look forward to uh, Brian tomorrow. Brian's got a new show coming tomorrow. Uh, Will you be here for that, John? I sure hope so. All right, good. I'll be here tomorrow. Don, I'll see you on Wednesday. Everybody have a wonderful Monday. Good luck with this week. I hope it doesn't suck for you. See y'all later. Bye. 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 Bye.